Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Last week, we talked about walking with God. Today, we're going to talk about prayer. Next week, we're going to talk about serving. And then the following week, the last week of the month, uh, I'm going to be talking about how we need to be watchful, and I'm really excited about what God is going to do. Well, why is it called rhythm? That you know, that's something that is not normally accustom- uh, associated with a sermon series, but but we felt that rhythm was a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or of sound, and that that we needed to have our life in rhythm with what God wanted to do. Many of the things that God did in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament with the New Testament church was because they had developed a rhythm of living. The last part of Acts chapter 2 talks about a rhythm of life that they got into. In the Old Testament, over and over again, uh, we talked about a, that God, they were in a rhythm. The children of God were in a rhythm. One of the greatest miracles in the Old Testament is found in the book of Exodus when the children of Israel came out of Egypt. And, and I know that we talk about all the plagues and we talk about all of the things that God did to bring them out, but the actual act of them walking out of Israel, and if you look at that, I mean out of Egypt, if you look at that two million people plus coming out of something, I, I remember what it was like when we uh, evacuated for Ike. Anybody remember that? Oh my goodness, I needed a miracle at that time. It took me 24 hours to drive from here to Austin, Texas, and it was crazy. Didn't get one drop of water in my house, not one <laughs> drop. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the rhythm, and, and actually the, the Bible talks about how when they left Israel, they were linked together, harnessed together, they were walking in rhythm, and God really has uh, impacted. Uh, uh, put in my heart that that's the way that he wants the church to operate today, to walk in rhythm. And I think if we're ever going to be in rhythm, the first thing that we have to do is we have to pray. I, I, I've often read about the, the things that Jesus did while he was ministering here on earth. And, and I, I, I think about many times how those disciples, you know, must have watched and wondered and and, 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 and there was a time that, that they had a chance to really ask him a question. And, and the Bible records this, that they asked him this question after they had observed uh, many miracles and all kind of things that he had done. And, and I got to thinking about this question that they asked him. And, and, and I wondered, what would I ask Jesus? If I had the opportunity today, what would the question be that came out of my mouth, oh, Lord, do this. And, and, and he preached the greatest messages that has ever been heard. He, he performed the greatest miracles that have ever been seen and, and, and just blew their mind time and time again. I mean, there were times the Bible says that they actually said, what manner of man is this? You know, they were just amazed at, at this one named Jesus. And, and, and here is what they asked him for in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. 
Everybody say, teach us. Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And, and, and when you think about it, of all the things they could have asked Jesus, this is the question that is recorded. You, you don't see in the Bible where they said, uh, Jesus, teach us how to heal the lame or how to open blind eyes or teach us how to walk on water or teach us how to feed the multitude or teach us how to raise the dead. That, that, that's not something that they are, are asking. They're not saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. I, I, I mean, Lord, teach us how to preach like you preach or teach like you teach. They're saying, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to do what I just watched you doing. I, we're just sitting here and we're seeing you praying. And, and, and listen, this was a group of guys that, that they, they were accustomed to prayer. I, I mean, they were in a culture where they prayed three times every day. They had heard their parents pray. They had heard uh, the, the rabbis pray. They had heard the Sadducees pray, the Pharisees pray. Uh, probably many of them had been to uh, the Jerusalem during the feast that, that they had in Jerusalem. They probably heard the priests pr pr pray many times. But here is something that is different. They are now seeing someone pray on a level that they had uh, never seen before. And this is something that they said, I I've got to learn how to pray like that. And, and I, I know a lot of people say, well, uh, I I've been around prayer all the time. Don don't teach me about prayer. I've got this down. And I, I just want you to understand that, that just because you've been close to prayer, proximity does not necessarily mean that you have the experience in prayer that you need to have. And, and God wants to teach you. This, this is the thing that is so beautiful is that Jesus wants to teach you. I like the fact that, that he gathered his life group around him. You, you don't mind if I call the disciples a life group, do you? Because that's what we are trying to do with you being a part of life group is just get us in these situations where we can really learn what God wants for our life. And, and Jesus taught them to pray. Now, I think that they asked the question, teach us to pray, is because they saw the results of prayer in his life. Yes. And they understood that when he prayed, that something was going to happen. Yes. And, and they understood that that was the, the key to his ministry and that there was nothing more vital to what he was trying to accomplish than the time that he spent in prayer. He put such an emphasis and a priority on it that they understood this is something that we should do. So they asked him, teach us to pray. And I just want to say this. I, I'm thankful for all of the expressions that we have as Christians, the expressions that we have of worship, the expressions that we have of service, the expressions that we have of faith. Uh, uh, all of those are powerful, but there is nothing more vital to your Christian life than prayer. Nothing. Now, this old altar that is before me here today, many of you may be wondering what this piece of furniture is, and, and, and I'm not going to go into the long story, but I'm going to tell you just a little bit of the history of my family. Uh, my family was um, a family that searched for God on both sides. Both my mother's uh, grandparents and my dad's parents were lost in religion and they were searching for something that was vibrant and something that was real and and my mother's grandparents came to God in a great revival up in the Sherman Texas area 
And my grandfather came on my dad's side, came to the Lord in a revival that took place in um, uh, the, the state of Arkansas. And when my granddad uh, became uh, saved and, and was filled with the spirit, he was a, a lumberjack and he was uh, so that's where I get my roughness and, you know, guys, <laughs> you see me wearing plaid, you know now, it's just in my jeans. <laughs> I have to laugh at myself there for just a minute. But my granddad was a lumberjack and, and as he uh, progressed through the, the ranks of lumberjacking, I don't know how that, I don't know if you get a sergeant or whatever it is, but um, he, he ended up being the operator of the crane. They would bring the, the logs down the river or into the place, and he was the one that would take the crane, pick them up, put them on the train, and uh, take them off to be milled. And, and uh, after he had had this incredible experience with God, and, and after he had been filled with the Spirit, and he, he was uh, on that job one day, and as he was working, God gave him a vision, and instead of that crane reaching down and picking up logs and putting it on trains, God gave him a vision uh, of him preaching and picking souls up out of hell and putting them on the way that God wanted them to live. And he left his job. They were dirt poor. They lived dirt poor most of their life. And uh, he started pastoring or preaching. And, and he would go into um, communities that had never heard of, of having a spirit-filled experience. And he would hold these big revivals, and at the end of the revival, he would start a church, and then he would many times stay and pastor that church for two or three years and, and then go on to the next one. He did that 19 times. He built churches all the way from Arkansas to California, all the way from Idaho into the state of Texas, and, and, and God really used him. And, and when, he was past, when he went into the area of Cunningham in Paris, Texas, I don't know how many of you know what that area is, but it's way up in the far northeast corner of Texas, there was a great revival that took place there, and granddad ended up staying. He built the church with his own hands. He was a carpenter, and, and this is one of the pieces of furniture that he built to go in that church, and that was probably in the mid-40s. He stood there, uh, it's 1940. Um, he, he, he stayed there for several years pastoring and then resigned, went on to start the next church, and my dad actually then became the pastor of that church in 1950, Pastor there from 1950 to 1957, and uh, this was the altar that was at the front of that church. Dad told me one time that he prayed at that altar uh, almost every day during those seven years. God called him and my family to Houston, Texas, and thank God for that. I'm thankful that I'm here today, and I, I know that it was a call that was part of our family legacy, and, and, and Dad came here and uh, sometime in the mid, uh, the late 80s, early 90s. They, they decided to remodel the church in Paris, and, and the pastor there, a great friend of ours, Bob Myers, offered us this offering as a gift, and I still remember picking it up with Dad and how excited he was that, that there was this altar now that was in our family, and, and Dad had prayed at it for many years after we received it. I prayed at it many years. It actually is a place right next to my desk where I can go and pray at it every day, and I'm thankful for it. And and it's not that this is a special piece of wood. It's not that it's an anointed piece of furniture. It's that God has given us a place to pray. And, and there are so many miracles 
that have happened. And, and, and as I was putting this sermon series together on I Will Pray and, and looking at this list, I, I couldn't help but keep glancing to the right and, and glancing at this piece of furniture and realizing that, that, man, what a blessing it has been that our family has prayed. What, what a blessing it has been. And, and, and this is what I would encourage you. It doesn't matter if this hasn't been a part of your life until today. Let today be the day that you make up your mind and say, just like dad did on that number one uh, place in the, in the list, I will pray. Will you just say it with me? I will pray. Now, the scriptures are full of recommendations, commandments, uh, advice on prayer. And, and one of them that I want to read to you is an anointed passage of scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And it's in that place that, that Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. Everybody say all kinds of prayers and request with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It, it, it's, just, it's just a good idea to pray. It, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a good way of living to, to pray. As a matter of fact, in another place, in the letter to the church in Thessalonica, Paul says, pray without ceasing, which seems to be just a daunting task in our life because so many times we have this definition of prayer and what that prayer is going to be when, when really we have to go back to what Paul said, all kinds of prayers. I, I, I know that many of us, and, and I was under this assumption for a long time that there, there was only one way to pray. <laughs> And the pressure that I put on myself to pray that way every time I got down to pray was, was um, uh, exhausting, overwhelming, discouraging until I realized that, that there's not just one way to pray, but there are all kinds of prayers and, and it depends on what I'm going through on that day. And it depends on the circumstances and the emotions that I'm feeling. And, and, and a great example of that is, is in the word of God. If you just turn to the middle of the book, it's Psalms. I, I did it. I, and I promise you, I didn't even practice. I just turned and it's Psalms 29 because th this Psalm, this book of Psalms, these Psalms that have been collected and, and placed in that one book, th there's so many prayers there. And, and what's beautiful about that is that there is a prayer for every emotion known to mankind. Every emotion. There are um, complaining prayers in that passage. And, and I, I know sometimes I like to complain. Anybody like to complain? I know you don't want to admit that, but hey, we like to complain. I try to keep it reined in, you know, but, but there are complaining prayers. There's, there's prayers where, we're, where people were crying out. There's comforting prayers. There's prayers of clarifying and wanting direction, courageous prayers, confessing prayers, there's just prayers that are celebrating when you're happy. Did you know that it's okay to pray when you're happy? Just celebrate what God is doing in your life. It doesn't always have to be intercession or poor, poor, pitiful me or God do this or help me this way. Sometimes when things are going good, we just bring a praise unto the Lord and a, and a prayer of thanksgiving. And, and so in these 150 chapters, right in the middle of your Bible, uh, there's this time of prayer and there's a prayer for every emotion known to man. So, so say uh, tomorrow when you wake up and, and you're um, 
um, angry. <laughs> Lord forbid. Find a prayer in the book of Psalms where David is angry or upset or pray that prayer. Make it your prayer. Over and over again, just know that there are prayers for all emotions and all types. And, and the reason that, that this uh, vast array of, 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 of prayers are available to us, this, this many different types of prayer is because God wants us to talk to him. God just wants us to speak to him. And no matter what the situation is, God, this is the purpose. He, he wants to walk with us and talk to us. And, and I think that this is so, it's so evident when we look at these last words that Jesus had with his disciples, what we call the Last Supper. It's this, this meeting that they had together. It's just hours before Jesus is arrested and and, and it's really a pivotal moment because he's teaching them. He's, he's trying to pass the baton to them. He's trying to prepare them. And, and of course, they were confused and asked questions. But in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, we find this discussion. And in these chapters, the Lord gives us four reasons for prayer. And I know in your notes here, they're listed. And, and it looks like that, that little part right there, Shouldn't have taken the amount of time that I took, but it did. But, but this part probably won't be as long, so just follow in your notes. And, and the first thing that we see is that prayer is an act of dependence. Now, now we are American, and we are uh, fiercely and proudly independent. You know, uh, we... We, we like our dependence and we teach our people to be independent, our kids to be independent, and, and the world is independent, and uh, the world that we live in, and, and, and really it's a, a, a lot of a facade because we're all dependent on people. We're all dependent on each other, and we're all dependent on our family, and, and I, I do believe that one of the biggest problems in prayer or the lack of prayer is that we don't feel that we need to be dependent upon God for everything. We just don't believe that. And I think that in our mind, there are a lot of things that we think, I, I can do this myself, God. I, I've got this. And, and this is what prayer really is. Prayer is a declaration that says, I'm dependent upon you, Lord. I, I have to have you. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, 5 through 7. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, now listen, he holds our breath in his hand. He, he is the one that is in control. But, but I mean, I, I'm not standing at the mirror brushing my teeth and saying, I've got to have you, Lord, to hit that back molar. I, I can do that. I, I, can, I can brush my teeth on my own. But there is one category of my life where I can do nothing without him. And that is in the spiritual realm. I can do absolutely nothing without him. I am the vine, 
You are the branches. He goes on in verse number six. He said, anyone who does not remain in me, live in me, abide in me, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered together into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, listen, this is the part where we get to the purpose of prayer. If you are remain, if you're attached to me, if you are truly a branch that is connected and plugged into the vine, then you may ask. Everybody say ask. That's prayer. If you if you ask, you may ask for anything and it will be granted to you. Remain in me. This is something that we need to understand. And a lot of people are disappointed because God hasn't answered certain prayers. I need to preach a message on that, on unanswered prayers. I mean, Saturday morning, I know all across the United States of America, people wondered, God, why didn't I win? I prayed about it. I promised to pay my tithes. I promised to support me. Why? But but this is what the asking is all about. If if I'm remaining in him, my ask is different than when I remain in myself and when I remain in the world. And I remain in my own desires. When I remain in him, my ask becomes in agreement with what he wants for my life. So a lot of times when we're not getting the things that we're praying for, maybe we need to see where we're remaining, abiding, living. If you remain in me, then many of the things that flow out of my heart are not the desires of my flesh or of my world, but they're the desires of the Spirit that the Lord has already spoken to me. And, and I want you to just take a moment and think about what an unbelievable promise this is, that, that if I am the branch and I am connected, I am linked in, that, that I can ask. And he hears the prayers that I'm praying. It's our support system. It's where I receive what God has for me. And if I cut it off, it's like I run out of spiritual air. It's like it it's truly a sign of dependence. If you pray, this is what you're saying. Lord, I depend upon you. Lord, I need you. Lord, lead me and guide me and let your will be done in my life. And if you can't say that, then I don't know that you can pray effective prayers. Until we realize that we need God, how can we pray effective prayers? I mean, that was the whole issue that Jesus had with the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day is they didn't feel like that they needed him. They were basing everything that they did on a set of rules. And Jesus said, all of that is written about me. I need him. The the second thing there in your notes is that prayer is an act of communication. You, You can't understand God. You can't understand God's will for your life unless you communicate with him. And, and, and here's what I would like for everybody in this room to hear and understand 
that God is constantly communicating with you. Constantly. His thoughts are towards you. He, he is constantly speaking. He's constantly putting things in your path to remind you of him and, and what he wants for your life. And, and, and many times, we're, we're not ready to hear what God has to say. One of the things that we believe at Life Church is that you need to know God. And as you know him and as you get to know him, the more you're able to hear what he's saying to your life. And when I say no, I'm not talking about book knowledge. I'm talking about moving into that realm of the spirit where you can hear what God has to say to you. You know, here's the, here's the thing about communication. You can't really communicate with someone unless you know your relationship with them. And, and many times when we meet people, we're trying to figure out what the relationship is. Is this going to be a work relationship? Is this going to be a friendship? Is this going to be one of those relationships or, or friendships that last a lifetime? And man, I've had thousands of awkward conversations just getting to know people. You have too. We do it all the time. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Jim, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you do, Jim? Uh, you know, it's just awkward. I don't want my prayer to be that way. Uh, hey, God, get, it's me again. Uh, you know, uh, I don't want it to be awkward. I, I, I know that it's vital. And so I have to spend time communicating. The, the people that are important in my life, I spend time communicating with. The, the people that that are in my, my circle, my family, my, my wife, my, my children, my, my daughter-in-laws. My, I mean, think about a new daughter-in-law coming into your family. I mean, that's awkward. You know, you, your, your son has fallen in love. Your daughter's fallen in love. They bring somebody, hey, this is going to be a part of our family. You're like, oh, okay. hey, how you doing? Good to see you. You know what? Uh, it's awkward. Until we get to know them. And as we communicate and as we talk, the, the barriers fall down. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, first of all, that, that God put me in my wife's family. I remember the awkwardness of going to, to Alford Hill in Mississippi. And she had six brothers. They all had big bushy beards and they all wear plaid. They weren't, they weren't lumberjacks, but they were, they could have been if they wanted to. Here's the city boy. I was wearing a, I was wearing a shirt that had a horse polo horse on it. And there got, I'm walking in like, I'm sorry, I'm here. And it was awkward, but oh my God! When I think about the moments that I spent with that family, the meaningful conversations that I had, I'm, I'm glad it didn't stay at the awkward stage. I I, I remember when. When, when Bo brought Lauren in and, and Ben brought, uh, brought his sweet Megan in and, you know, that, that moment of, hey, hey, good to see you. Uh, now, what do you do? for what, Yeah, just, but, oh, what a joy to get to know. Am I, try, am I making sense here? I'm, I'm doing my best to try and unwrap this prayer that is just a communication with God and, and it's just talking to him. It's just getting to know him and it's pouring your heart out to him. And, and, and there's nothing more vital than prayer. I, I will pray. Number one, I will 
pray. Tomorrow we celebrate the life of a, a great man, Martin Luther King Jr. And we celebrate the work that he accomplished. And, and he said this, he said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. If I'm really going to be a follower of Jesus, there has to be that prayer. It's, the most, it's important to my spiritual life, just as breathing is to my physical life. And, and I'm thankful that we can move that. So, so as we walk into this prayer, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is this relationship that we have with God? What is our, the dynamic of our friendship? Or how, what is it? And how do I talk to God? This, this is what Jesus told the disciples there in the book of John when he's talking to them about, about communication. He said, no longer do I call you servants. That doesn't mean that they weren't to serve. He had already given them the lesson of washing each other's feet. But he said this, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. In other words, guys, I'm calling you up to the family table. I'm fixing to spill everything about what my mission is. And you're going to know what it's all about. And, and, and I have called you friends for the things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. I hear it, I give it to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit and that your fruit shall remain. Again, he's talking about that fruit, how it will come out of our relationship with him. And then he says that whatever you ask, everybody say ask. That, that's the prayer part of it. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. And the reason he says that you can ask is because, hey, we're friends. This is our relationship. This is how we communicate. I don't know about you, but it really blows my mind when he says, I don't treat you like servants, like slaves, but actually you are my friends. And I know I lost some of you because you have such a hard time believing that God is really interested in you. you. You see it all as the other way. I'm interested in God, but I'm really insignificant when actually he's much more interested in you than you are him. And knows so much more about you that you know about yourself and that you know about him and loves what is in you. We, we have a hard time. And, and, and let me tell you about that doubt, where that doubt comes from. It comes from the father of lies that tries to separate us from the one who loves us. I, I, don't, I don't want to live a lie. And many times our prayer life doesn't go where it needs to go because this is what we're saying. I'm worthless. I'm unforgivable. I, I'll always be this way, God. How can you even have any patience with me? There's no way that God really loves me. There's no way that God really cares. And all of those are lies. And I don't have time to preach all of those lies down to you. But I can tell you that those lies are a direct contradiction to what the Bible says about us. And what Jesus himself says about us. And when we fully discover how much God really loves us, prayer will no longer be a problem. It'll be just part of our everyday communication.
the way we communicate with God, our life communication, our umbilical cord to that life that God has for us. We draw that strength. And, and so prayer is an act of declaration. It is an act of communication. And prayer is, number three, an act of supplication. Supplication is just a big religious word that means request. Something that I'm asking for. And, 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 and God wants us to ask Him. God wants us to come to Him. And again, our ask is so much different when we're walking with Him and when we're living for Him. And, and John 16, Jesus goes on and He's telling them in verse number 23, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Now let me, let me just, I, I've been talking a lot about prayer and then all of a sudden Jesus says, you'll ask me nothing. That's when we see Him face to face. That's when we're with Him. That, in that day, we're not going to have any more prayer requests. In that day, everything, everybody will be healed. Everybody will be made new. Uh, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can read it there. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, everybody say ask. That, that, that's prayer. The Father in my name, he will give it unless you, unless now you have asked nothing. Until, I'm sorry. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So I, a prayer is an act of supplication. It is the way that we make our request known to God. Anybody have any request in the room? Let me, let me just see your hands if you have a request. I, you're welcome to turn those requests in. I'll pray for them, but... But by far the most effective thing is for you to just tell your father what your request is. Tell him what you need. It seems so silly, Pastor. He knows everything about me. Why can't he just do it? I don't know. But I do know that his chosen method for meeting my needs is that I ask him. His, th this is his chosen method. It's, this isn't something that I cooked up. This isn't something where I'm saying, every day I'm going to give you a list, buddy. You be th this is him saying, ask and you shall receive. And I love that passage of scripture where Jesus is talking there and, and, and he's, he's really telling us that, that, that there are some things that I'm going to do in your life that are going, it's going to be amazing but I'm only going to do it if you ask me for it. I'm only going to do it if you bring the request. I, that's the way that he set his plan up. And, and over and over in just the New Testament alone, there's 20 plus times where it says, ask, ask, seek, knock. It says, keep on asking. So I want to ask a question to everybody. All campuses, give me just a moment. Dig into this moment. What are you lacking right now in your life? Simply because you've never asked God for it. What, what area of your life are you lacking in because you haven't brought it to God? Oh, you've tried other things. You know, you, you've, you've done other things and you've, You've built and you've planned and you've schemed and you've studied. I, I, I understand that. But have you ever asked, have you ever just stopped and asked God? 
There are so many scriptures in the Bible. I, I, I got the list out and it was really overwhelming in the preparation for this sermon. And I decided there's no way I can say all these things. So I'm just going to take one scripture, Psalms 37 and 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Desires. Not, not just what you're asking for, but when you start asking, when you, when you start opening up, he can see even beyond that. And he starts giving the things that are deep in your heart to, 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 to know that you're there. When you, when you ask something from God. And, and a lot of times our, our asking when we're plugged into the spirit. L- listen to me. This is just this is from a pastor's heart. A lot of times when we're plugged into the spirit, the things that we ask God seem arrogant. And they seem far reaching and they seem above our pay grade. <laughs> God, do this for me. I know that this is the level that I'm at, but this is what I want. And, and let me tell you something. Don't ever be afraid to ask those prayers and ask God for those things. Let's go back to the first of the year. Nehemiah is a cupbearer and the opportunity comes and he says, God, I'm going to go for it. Give me favor in this moment. Let me go from being a cupbearer to the governor of Jerusalem that can write the check that will rebuild everything. Jabez, he's living in a place that's horrible. He says, bless me, enlarge my borders. Don't be afraid to ask those things. Because this is what happens when we ask those bold prayers that have been planted in our heart by our relationship with God, first of all, God gets blessed because in his nature, God is a giver, a supplier. And we all know that when we give a gift, it's just as awesome to see the response of the person that receives it even more so than when we receive a gift. God wants to give you something. God wants to pour out on you. When I ask Not only does God get blessed, but I get blessed. I get blessed because he answers my prayer. But then it goes beyond just that circle of me and God. Because this is what happens when God pours into me. Everyone gets blessed because he blesses me to be a blessing. And he blesses me and answers prayers. And suddenly I have a testimony of the goodness of God. And I just wonder how many people in all of our campuses, you have a testimony that God has blessed you and God has answered your prayer. Can we give him thanks? Can we give him thanks? I I, I love it. I I love to know that God's answered prayer. And and, and I'm constantly receiving texts and letters and messages about God answering prayers because this is what I've found. When God starts answering your prayers, you can't shut up about it. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to tell what God has done. You've got to tell how God has healed. You have to tell how God has helped. You can't keep it to yourself. And you know what happens once you start sharing Someone else has faith to ask God. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that I can go to him and just, it's just dependent. I'm dependent on him. 
Aren't you thankful that you can go to him in prayer and, and it's just a communication. It's a day-long communication. It's, a, it's something I do on my way to work. It's something I do when I'm sitting at my desk. It's something I do on my way home. It's in, it's in my home. I, I talk about God in my home. I talk to God in my home. And, and it's just a communication. And it, it's a place where I bring my supplications, my request. And then the fourth thing, prayer is an act of cooperation. Everybody knows that God is all-powerful. Do you, do you believe that with me this morning? Is there anybody in the room, anybody in Houston, anybody in Friendswood, you believe that God is all-powerful? He can do anything. He has the power to do anything. He is sovereign. He is sovereign ruler over all of nature and all of life. But in his plan, this is what he has chosen. That we can cooperate with his work by praying and by seeing his word spread on the earth. You, you see, this is what happens. We, we go to the grocery store and we see somebody and our heart is moved and we say, I need to pray for them. Has that ever happened to anybody? Let me just see your hand. Maybe it's not the grocery store. Maybe grocery stores are not your place. Maybe it's some other place that you just see somebody and there is this desire to pray for them. Do you know what you're actually doing? You're, you're moving into a place of cooperating with God. Because believe me, God loves that person that has just been laid on your heart. You're, 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 you're praying for them. They're, you ever have a desire to just give someone a word of encouragement? Let me see, let me see the hands of everybody that just, you, you've had the desire to just give somebody a word of encouragement. You, you know what you're doing? You're, you're cooperating with God. You're, you're, you're walking with Him. You're, you're teaming up with God to accomplish His work. Let me, let me read this last passage in the book of John chapter 14. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of, of the works themselves. In other words, guys, you should believe that I am God manifest in the flesh, that the Father speaks to me and I tell you what he has said. If that's troubling for you, just believe me for the works that I've done, the dead that I've raised, the miracles that have taken place. He goes on to say, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than those he will do because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask, everybody say ask, that, that's prayer in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, that's a hard verse to believe. I, I, Pastor, that's, I can't believe you said that. I, I do believe it. I'm saying it's a hard verse to believe, that I can do greater works than Jesus? That, that I can, it, how is that possible? And, and the simple answer is it's possible through prayer. It's possible because I'm a part of a church. It's possible because we have many hands and many mouths and many prayers that are going up and it's not just one person. Yeah. Pastor Nick mentioned it. Next week is Discover Life. You, you need to be a part of a church. I, I, I really encourage you to, to get involved in a church. If, if it's not this church, find a good Bible-believing church and get involved in it. 
It's important for you to invest your life in the things that are important. And the church is important. And this is another reason, and I'm closing, that we can do great things greater than Jesus. It's really even hard for me to say it. But this is what I know. I know that prayer is not limited by time nor by space. When Jesus was on the earth, he voluntarily voluntarily limited himself to be enrobed in flesh. God manifests in the flesh. Paul talks about how we beheld the glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. And he was limited to the miracles that he could do because he was walking. <laughs> you, you trace a circle around where Jesus lived and walked and ministered. It, it's not a very big area. And he, he voluntarily limited himself to the people that he saw, to the people that he came in contact with. And, and the whole time he's teaching his life group, this is how we do life. But prayer is not limited by time or space. The the prayers that Jesus prayed at the end of this John, this work in the book of John, if you go to John chapter 17 and he starts praying, the prayers that he prayed on that day are still being answered today. And this is what I know about this uh, this old altar. The prayers that my granddad and my grandmother and my mom and my dad prayed, they're gone. I never knew my father's dad. I never knew my granddad. He, he died in 1959. He came and preached at this church one time in 1958. I never had a chance to meet him. I never knew my grandmother. She died actually before him. But I know this. The prayers that they prayed live today. They still live because our prayers are no longer limited by time. And so the prayer that I pray today, I just want to speak a word of encouragement Some of you are at the place where you feel like that your prayers don't count and God's not listening. And I just want to give you a little bit of encouragement. The prayers that I pray today can be answered tomorrow, but they may not be answered until next week or they may not be answered until next month or or they may not be answered until next year or listen to this. They may not be answered until the next generation. But that doesn't mean that those prayers aren't important. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to hear the prayer that you have to pray. They're not limited by time. Six times, John John 13, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus says, if you will ask, I will answer. If you will ask, I will do. This is what he's really saying, church. Listen to to me here. He's really saying, your part is the asking. My part is the doing. Our part in cooperating with God's plan 
is that we pray. Will you stand with me? So I know there's a lot of moving around and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to give you a moment to refocus because I think that this last part of our service in all of the campuses are, is so important. I want you to listen to this. This is what we can do. We can pray. I, I, I love this. I, he doesn't say I might pray or I need to pray. He, he says... I will pray. And, and I will tell you today, the most important thing that you can do is to pray. This is what happens with prayer. Prayer leads us to move, to act. That's all about next week's serve where we talk about how the Spirit moves us to help people around us. This is what I want. I, I want Life Church to be a praying church. The power of God in this place Anybody that was here last night at any campus, you, you need to turn and invite three or four people to be here next Saturday night because it was amazing. This is what happens with a praying church. A praying church is a holy church. It's separated unto God. A praying church is a committed church. It's ready to go through whatever battle. And when you pray, there's something that happens in our spirit that causes us to be sensitive to God but also sensitive to people around us. And truly, a praying church is an enthusiastic church. A praying church is a, pray, a church that sees miracles. And, and I, I'm so thankful that over the last few months, we have seen so many incredible miracles that have taken place. Healings and God opening doors and God providing. And, and I'm so thankful for that. You, you see, this is what happens when you pray you're opening the door for God to work in your life. Some of you need a miracle in your family, your marriage, in your job, your health. I encourage you to pray. Because God acts on prayer. You know, it's 15 days in, and I know that it's probably too late to do a resolution. I don't put a whole lot of stock in resolutions anyway. But it's not too late to make a determination that this is the rhythm that my life is going to be. I'm going to walk with God. Everybody say walk with God. I'm going to walk with God. And I will pray. Will you say that with me? I will pray. I, I want to close out uh, today at all of the campuses. And um, the worship teams are up on the uh, stages. They're going to take it in just a few moments. But... But this is what I would like. I, I, I want to pray for you. And, and at all of the campuses, I'd like for you to fill the front of the building here in League City. Everyone that feels comfortable, come as close as you can to give room for those coming behind you to come. And, and let's just fill this area. Houston, fill that front area. Friendswood, fill that front area. Don't be shy. Come forward. And let's close this uh, third Sunday of the year, this I Will Pray this rhythm series message with a, an act of prayer together. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
If you want to just step in the aisle, if you don't feel comfortable coming to the front, just an act of just, I'm, I want to pray. This is my life going I feel the Spirit of the Lord. I was standing here um, praying last night and I felt God speak a word to me so powerfully. And it was a word, I shared it last night. I'm not going to go all into it again tonight, today. But this is what I know. Many times we're praying a prayer and God's already answered it. And the answer is on the way. We can't see it. We don't understand it. But God already knows. And I'm thankful that God is able. That God can heal. That God can lead. That God can direct. And as a church, I want us to close my portion of this service before I turn it to the worship teams with just a prayer together. Lord, thank you so much. I thank you, dear Lord, that in 1954, there was a group of people that said, we want a church where we can worship and where we can feel the Spirit of God move. I thank you, dear Lord, that through the generations, there have been more and more people that have come and they have picked up that mantle of praying and of seeking God. And We stand before you, dear Lord, here at the beginning of 2023, and our prayer, our desire, our request, our supplication is the same that those people prayed all those years ago. God, move in our midst. Let your presence be tangible. See our needs and meet our needs so that we can be a blessing to the people around us. And God, I pray right now that you would help us in each campus to just be the light that you have called us to be, to shine in the darkness. And, and we know that starts, dear Lord, when we just pray and become sensitive to what you want for our life, for our family, and for what you want, dear Lord, for us, for our church. I pray it right now, dear Lord. Let your will be done. And, and I wonder if you, in all of the campuses, for just the next few minutes, if you would take what I prayed and put it in your own words and just lift your voice. Pray, pray out loud for a few moments here, if you will. Let's pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just join together and give God a great hand clap of thanksgiving, of worship, of praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you.